Meow. Hi, I'm Kat, and you're in for a treat. Straight out of the oven, it's Cinema Buns, with another hot, fresh take on film. Let's dig in. Diddly doo dee doo. Insert theme music later. Preface by saying this is a spoiler-free episode. You can listen without worrying about something being ruined. And here's where to find today's guest. Hey, Aaliyah. Hey. <laughs> so you can find me at Aaliyah Uncharted on YouTube and also on Instagram at Aaliyah underscore Uncharted. That's A-L-E-A Uncharted. Aaliyah Uncharted on Instagram, Twitter, and her YouTube channel if you want great book content. Now into the episode. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hi, I hope you're having a fun day on this Bunday Monday. Today's topic, we are discussing books that we would want to see adapted to film or TV. And I have a guest to do that with me, Bibliophile. That's right. She loves big books and she cannot lie. Aaliyah. (laughs) Hello, I'm Aaliyah. Nice to be here. Hey, Aaliyah. Oh, you know what I was going to tell you right before we started recording? And then I was like, no, wait, save it for the recording. Um, my wife brought home yesterday a tin of cinnamon buns to make in honor of the launch of the podcast. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's so... She's the best. She is the best. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's mostly a film podcast, not so much dessert heavy, but I will eat these. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, if they're there. If they're there, sure, sure. Maybe a little extra frosting, I guess. Okay, I'll eat it. Um, what big book are you treating yourself to these days? Um, I'm actually almost done with Little Fires Everywhere uh, by Celeste Ng. This has been... Uh, it was really big when it came out a couple years ago, but it's kind of getting a resurgence right now because of the limited uh, mini-series that they're making with Reese Witherspoon on Hulu. So that's what I'm reading right now. Cool. Yeah, I keep seeing uh, trailers for that show, and a friend said it was really good. And my friend, I don't know, tweeted, however you social media, about how much she enjoyed the show. And the show responded to him. So no, oh, I, not really? I that's know. Cool. So I feel like personally invested in the show. Um, cool. Well, we're talking today about books that we want to see adapted, so that is an appropriate one. You want to dig into the bun, hun? I would love to dig into the bun. <laughs> so, it, to be honest, it was actually a little difficult for me to find books for this, just because I feel like these days, whenever a book finds any amount of success, the rights for its uh, becoming a film or a TV show is nab immediately and so I was trying to pick books that have not been optioned for adaptation yet yeah I had the same problem where I was like the whole reason I wanted to do this was because I've always wished they would make a phantom toll booth movie like that is the most incredible I loved that it's by Norton Jester from 1961 every childhood should have the phantom toll booth in it and apparently they did make a movie of it but it must be so bad that like no one's ever heard of it because like what um so now I need to go find that movie but I think we'll definitely do an episode about like 
film adaptations that need to be redone because that's usually the case. I also thought that they should always make a Westing game series. I loved the Westing game as a kid. Um, but apparently they did. It was, it had a different name. I should have written that down, but they called it something else and it came out in the nineties. And then did you know that they made a movie of Maniac McGee? Did I you, did not know that. Did you read that book like in middle school? I'm sure I did, although I couldn't tell you any details about it now. The front cover has a picture of a boy, like, running on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, so let's hop into your list. These are ones that have not been made, whereas another podcast will talk about films from books that should be remade because they were bad. (laughs) Yes, and these are ones that I can't find any information on them actually getting where the rights have been bought yet. So this is our uh, public service announcement to production companies mm-hmm. get on this. So the first one I want to talk about is Vicious by V.E. Schwab. This is a really interesting kind of anti-superhero book. It follows these two guys, Victor and Eli, who started off as college roommates and were best friends. And then the book starts where Victor is breaking out of prison, dead set on killing Eli. And you're not really sure why. (laughs) Um, And essentially, it follows both when they were younger and in college uh, and discovering how to manufacture superheroes, essentially. Like, uh, they figure out that having a near-death experience creates extraordinary people that gives you powers follow them as they figure all that out and then also when they are enemies that are trying to kill each other and i think this would just be so much fun especially since you know marvel and a lot of superhero movies have been so prominent in the last oh, I don't, however many years decade Uh, I think this would be an interesting, not quite the opposite, but just a different take on a superhero movie because these are both definitely villains. Like, both of these guys, even our protagonist, is a villain. Like, he's not a good guy, but you're also still really invested in, is he going to succeed in killing his ex-roommate? We don't know. Uh, So I found it really fun, and I think it would be a really cool thing to see on screen. (laughs) Well, I hope he doesn't kill his ex-roommate. I had a dream last night about my college roommate where I was, like, really excited we were going to live together again in my dream. And then she told me that she was better friends with one of the other girls in the house. Like, we all lived in a giant house together. And I was like, oh, that's that's nice. I was, like, really upset. So, like, my nightmare situation is that my roommate likes someone more than me. But having them come after me to kill me is, you know, another level. Um, I think that would be really successful, especially anti-hero stuff is very interesting because what is a hero? Um, but I mean, that's why like, I like Watchmen the best of any kind of superhero stuff. Um, and then, I mean, even when you see your heroes falter, I think makes them more human and is very interesting. Um, yeah, I think that would do well. My first is by the author of Artemis Fowl. I think his name's Ian Colfer. He's Irish. I'm not sure how you pronounce that first name. I think it's Ian. Ian Colfer. It was written in 2000. It's called The Wish List. So this is a YA, and I think it'd be... This is the only one on my list that I think would be a good TV series. The rest are movies, but I loved this book. It's a 
group of teenagers who are like kind of delinquents and they break into this old man's house and they're like burglarizing him and then he gets startled and wakes up and then um I don't remember if there's like a shooting involved but anyways one of the teenagers dies and she is she like wakes up and she's kind of in purgatory and they're like we're gonna send you back to earth kind of as an angel to decide if you like you have to do something good before you can get into heaven and so she has to like help the old man that they burglarized and like complete his wish list so there's things he wants to do like kiss the blarney stone in ireland which i'm just now realizing the author is irish so that makes sense but anyways it's very like uh, like anti-sweet as we were talking about like anti-heroes where like it's not cutesy wonderful guardian angel it's like an angsty angry teenage girl <laughs> who has to help the so it's like up but if the little kid were an angry teenager so I like that they kind of give it to each other as far as like anger and sass and yet of course you know become friends maybe and so I really enjoyed it it's kind of similar to if you like drop dead diva or good omens where it's like an afterlife story <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I think, especially after the success of The Good Place, oh, I yeah. think there's a lot of interest in the afterlife and what it could look like outside of just the white painted halls that we're used to from growing up, you know? Mm, yeah, I don't know if you're watching Upload right now, but it was really good. I haven't seen it yet, but it's on the list. I liked it. Okay, what's your number two? So my second choice is Tell Me How You Really Feel by Amina May Safi. This is a YA contemporary romance book about um, a girl named Sana, who's a cheerleader, and a girl named Rachel, who wants to be a film director. And this is an enemies-to-lovers romance <laughs> where something happened when they first met each other that caused a miscommunication or misunderstanding so they end up really not liking each other but then of course for one reason or another they are forced to work together on a film for uh, Rachel's senior thesis and so it's it's so much fun it's definitely like a romantic comedy except it features two women of color falling in love which we don't have much of anything of uh i couldn't name one off the top of my head that we already have so i think we need to make this happen yeah it's just great i feel like enemies to lovers which i hate the, i hate the word lovers but enemies <laughs> to to make yowdy partners is very like killing eve <laughs> and i love that it's uh people of color it sounds very interesting uh, i think that would do well <laughs> Yeah, the thing I like, too, is that um, their um, respective heritages or their ethnicities actually isn't just in the background. Our, uh, the cheerleader, Sana, she is of Persian descent and is really close to her family. She actually has a very uh, Gilmore Girls dynamic with her family. She's definitely a Rory, uh, which is really interesting. And... Um, Rachel is Mexican-American, and those things aren't just ignored or put in the background either, which I thought was really cool in a way to uh, give these people of color uh, their spotlight without making them token people of color or overselling it uh, and making it uh, 
fall into the background. So I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. So they didn't whitewash it? Right, yeah, exactly. So they're not going to cast Scarlett Johansson as the... <laughs> Who knows? It might still happen. Scarlett um, can do anything. She can do anything. She's versatility. <laughs> um, cool. My second one is actually a series. So I think this would be like a series of movies as opposed to a TV series. Um, this is my favorite book series when I was a kid. It's by Phyllis Reynolds Naylor, who wrote, like, every of your childhood favorites. But um, she did the Shiloh, which is that thing about the dog, and then um, the whole Alice series. Um, Phyllis Reynolds Naylor, she wrote this witch series. The first one is called The Witch's Sister. She wrote six of them, but she wrote the first three, 1975, 1977, and 1978 then took a break, then wrote the next three in 1990, 1991, and 1992. So it kind of is like two trilogies. It has all the same characters, but over like a long period of time has taken place between the two trilogies. This is the only one on my list where like technically they did make one of them as a TV episode, but it's like how Black Mirror or Twilight Zone has like you know, it's an anthology series or something different each time. So the first one they made for a show called The Big Blue Marble, but this deserves its own thing. <laughs> I've never heard of that. So it's very like Coraline-esque, which makes me think that it would be a really cool claymation. Like I would love Leica Studios did something with it. But the main character in this book is one of my favorite literary characters, I just really think she's a strong female character who I looked up to a lot as a kid and I like really wanted to be her friend. I think they're like 11 in the first book, but Lynn is her name and her best friend's name is Mouse, which is brilliant. And they're just like best friends. They love reading. And, uh, and then she suspects that her older sister, Judith, which is such a great name, is becoming a witch. And so they like are like, why is she doing all these strange things? Like rescuing men from the river and <laughs> like with her powers. And then they're like, oh, I think the old lady that gives her sewing lessons is a witch and is like teaching her magic. And so it's just very like, I love like fun, spooky, like not total horror, but like some element of like, ooh, a little creepy and so this really fulfilled that fun and uh, you know there's always trends of like for a while it was like vampire everything and then um werewolves or something so I feel like witch stuff is kind of popular and interesting um yeah so that's my next one oh yeah give me some fun witches I'm into it some witches lady power (laughs) perfect okay my third uh choice is My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkan Braithwaite. So this is a Nigerian author, and she she wrote this story. It's exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) You follow uh, the protagonist, Korede, and she is really close to her little sister, Ayola, and Ayola has a really terrible habit of killing her boyfriends. <laughs> and so Corday usually gets roped into helping Ayola um, cover it up, essentially. Uh, Corday works as a nurse, and so she has access to a lot of, well, medical supplies and ways that make it easy to dispose of a body. So uh, she finds herself in an interesting situation already. But then it doesn't help that at one point, her sister uh, 
her eyes on the man that she's been in love with for mm. years. And so now Cora Day is kind of stuck figuring out where her loyalties lie and what she's going to do when set between her sister, who uh, is probably at least somewhat sociopathic, uh, and a man that she's been in love with. So it's really intense, uh, and it's... It's definitely really suspenseful. The book itself is pretty short, but it really packs a punch and it touches on a lot on a lot of different things, especially the way that women can be treated and how their beauty can be set above any of their other qualities, um, which I found really engaging. And so I think this would be such a fun, suspenseful thriller, probably the kind that comes out in the summer, you know, one mm-hmm. of those, uh, or, I mean, it could probably even be like a limited series. Like that's only like a couple episodes long. If you really wanted to up the suspense of making it go as long as possible before you figure out what's going on. Really good. I really recommend this book, first of all, but I think it would be a really fun, uh, suspense thriller yeah if it were a comedy at first the way you're describing it i was like sounds like so i married an axe murderer but um or like um what's the one on where uh oh i have to think about this where drew barrymore is like a zombie oh um uh, santa clarita diet i love that yes. one um no but it sounds more like <laughs> gone girl or girl on the train kind of like a thriller so that's oh yeah, it is not a comedy. <laughs> not a comedy. I don't know why you say murder. I think <laughs> laugh riot, but <laughs> there's a lot of like that kind of um, uh, TV series where you have to kind of make it funny because otherwise it's like too dark. But if this were just a movie, I could see it being very intense. Yeah, I mean, like there is a lot of dark humor in it, but I still wouldn't call it a comedy. I think it's just. Uh... <laughs> It's, it's almost the absurdity of the situation that she's in, mm-hmm. but it's not actually funny. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, the show You is an interesting thing where it does have a lot of very, like, thrilling... He, uh, there's a character on the show who's a serial killer, <laughs> and um, he is, like very like it is scary like it it definitely gets graphic and it gets dark but it's still like a comedy the way that they go about it I guess so that's one of those ones where yeah I'd say dark comedy and yet also like horror-esque genre um I think the humor from the show you comes from the fact that he doesn't think he's a a problem (laughs) like he's like well yeah totally reasonable yeah like yeah that that's probably where the humor comes from Um, my third is by actually one of my favorite authors as an adult. The author's name is Jonathan Tropper, and he wrote a book that they made into a movie a few years back called This Is Where I Leave You, and I think the movie did really poorly. I didn't even see it because I was like, I love this book so much, and this just looks like, um... It looked very much like Dan in real life, the Steve Carell one, which I didn't enjoy. So I'm trying to remember who was in that movie. Now I have to look this up. Yeah. Oh, it was directed by Sean Levy, Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Adam Driver. Oh, that had a good cast. Catherine Hahn, Dax Shepard, Timothy Oliphant, speaking of Santa Clarita Diet. Anyways, I don't think it did that well, but I thought that it was like very... 
I, his stuff's very like dysfunctional family. Um, okay, so the book that I chose is from 2003 and it's called The Book of Joe and it's my favorite of all of his stuff. So I've read a lot of his books. He has How to Talk to a Widower. He, has, he just put out a new one. But his stuff is usually like coming of age for men in their 30s. So I don't know why I find that relatable. But I really enjoy his writing and like I don't know there's something about like adulthood especially in your 20s and 30s where like you kind of are figuring out who you're supposed to be and you're really starting to like reflect back on who you were in your teens and like I'm an adult now and I have to like do hard things and so this is one of my favorites because um I like the main character the best. Sometimes the main characters are a bit whiny. Like there's times I like them better than others, but this main character I found to be, um, I just was like really invested in his journey. And so he is an author who is wildly successful and he has written about his hometown in a very negative way. So he doesn't ever want to go back to his hometown because he's kind of burnt that bridge. And then his father has passed away. So he has to go back to his hometown. So he goes back there and while he's in town, he of course gets uh, flack for having written this scandalous book about the town. But while he's in town, he's also visiting back with his high school best friend who is dying of cancer. And so, and of course, his old flame, his love interest is there. And so he's like talking to all these people about the past as well as like who they are now. And every chapter begins with a Bruce Springsteen lyric, which like really reignited my love of Bruce Springsteen. And I think this would make a good movie as far as like the soundtrack would be so killer. I love Springsteen. Springsteen to me is such like nostalgic teen angst in like the best way possible. So I'm going to read this quote from this and then we'll move on. But like the main character is talking to his best friend who is ill. And so his best friend says they're, they're reflecting back on a day where they just like went and had fun. They like went down to the reservoir or something. I don't know, some spring sheen-esque thing. So his friend says that day mattered. There were plenty of other days that mattered too, but not nearly as many as there should have been. I thought about it a lot. What makes a day like that matter so much and why there are so many less of them as we get older. And what's the answer? I ask. It's simple, really. We were doing what we wanted to do instead of what we expected ourselves to do. And then it goes on for a while. Da, da, da. I'm here to tell you at the end of the day, which is where I currently reside, nothing else matters but the things that truly matter. This is nothing you didn't know before, but even though you know it, it doesn't mean you really know it. Because if you really knew it, you'd act on it, man. So I love that quote, and that kind of captures the essence of that for me. That's a really good quote. Isn't that good? Yeah, I made a good friend of mine a art piece one time that said that day mattered because we were doing what we wanted to do instead of what we expected ourselves to do. And um, mm-hmm. I just think that that's like, I, I think that that's like one of the messages throughout his books, which is um, don't let the person you think you are stop you from being the person that you like actually are. <laughs> like be authentic and um, yeah. 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 That sounds good. Okay, your fourth pick? My fourth pick. Uh, for this, 
I also chose a kind of coming of age, although uh, not for 30-year-old men. Um, <laughs> if I Was Your Girl by Meredith Russo. Sorry, the audio got damaged. So this is a coming of age novel about a girl named Amanda. Uh, she is moving to go live with her father. I think. Uh, This is in the South, although I could not tell you what state. It's not in the blurb. Uh, Anyway, she is moving to a new school. Uh, Something happened in her old school that she's just really hoping to get away from. And this book is about her trying to find, uh, just trying to build some friends and some relationships. There's a guy that she ends up getting um, or being interested in. Uh, but really this is about, uh, her trying to figure out how to, uh, establish her life when she is currently in the closet as a transgender girl. And it's so heartwarming. Uh, it's definitely focuses on Amanda as she creates her new normal and establishes herself as the person that she is without having people know about her past, um, while also being very aware of the consequences for when slash if people do find out about uh, the fact that she's transgender. Uh, And this was really just, uh, this book impacted me so hard just because um, her story, it was so honest and so really realistic. It's definitely not sugar-coated, but it's also not a tragedy, which I really appreciate about this book. And I think it would be such a good, different coming-of-age movie for teens right now to see somebody like this have this kind of life uh, Kind of in the way that, you know, when Love, Simon first came out and it was like a big thing, right, uh, based off of Simon versus the Homo Sapiens agenda, it was such a good uh, summer film, but it really showed just a happy coming of age and also coming out movie that didn't uh, paint the gay experience as being one of sadness and tragedy. I think this would be an, another good one for that for um, those transgender teens who are dealing with something similar. So I would love to see this be made into a movie because it was just, it was very good. I forgot that Love, Simon was based on a book. Oh, and the book is so good. Yeah, I need to go read that. Well, my next one was also a YA about a transgender teen. And so I'm going, well, I, you know, I had another one that I wanted to talk about, so I'll switch it out. The one that I was going to mention was beautiful music for ugly children. But, um, like you said, it's nice to have a book or a movie about LGBT people that doesn't end in death and sadness. So that's like really important to be like, Hey, here's a experience that you can have that doesn't end in tragedy. So the one I want to talk about instead is you probably know this one, Aaliyah. It's by David Levithan from O3 called boy meets boy. Have you read this? Yeah. Did you read it? it's on my list okay before you read it instead get the audiobook because the audiobook that I got had a different actor read every character so it was like you were oh my gosh it was like you were listening to a stage play it was really engaging like it didn't feel like a novel it 
was really fun, the audiobook that I got. And that's why I think it'd be, that's like what made me think like, oh yeah, this could be a whole movie because it's already <laughs> written out like one. But I, I mean, this could be a TV series or just a movie, like you're saying, like a fun Love, Simon kind of movie. But um, this is set kind of in a world where like LGBT is the normal. So they're high schoolers and pretty much everyone at the school is like gay or bisexual or pansexual or ace. Like there's not many hetero kids. And then there's a few and they're just like, oh yeah, that, that kid's straight. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't expect that. Okay. But it's not like a dystopian world or something like I've seen it done where they like flip the script like that and the hetero kids are like bullied so like I'm not here for that either so I like that this is just like oh okay like what would it be like if the majority was LGBT so it's really cute is my favorite part about the book it's this new boy comes to to, to the high school and he's like not used to that kind of a place where LGBT is the normal so he's like was nervous to come out and um, the main character has a crush on him and they kind of like start having a courtship and it's really cute and it's happy and I just really love like all the cast of characters in this is so great because you don't just get one stereotype gay you get like a big spectrum of people the same way that you would in any high school so I oh, thought I it was that. very cute uh, I love that you're making that go higher on my list now oh you have to get the audiobook yeah all right will do I'll reserve it at the library immediately after this it was cute and happy um so the last one I'm going to recommend today is Sock Hill Girls by Claire Legrand this is something I can see being made into a show a la Stranger Things. Mm, I'm sorry, it's soft or sock? Saw kill. S-A-W kill. Oh, saw. Okay. Saw, saw kill girls. girls. Um, so this uh, has three protagonists. This is off of a YA, it's kind of like a fantasy horror um, so, again, very Stranger Things kind of thing. Um, so we're following these three girls. Uh, Marion is our kind of principal protagonist, and she is moving to this island uh, called Sock Hill Rock. And she gets there and pretty quickly kind of figures out or finds out that girls have been disappearing off of this island and nobody is sure what's happening or what's like like who's responsible it just seems to be happening and increasing in frequency uh and all she can hear is people talking about the monster of sock hill rock that he like beware the woods like he'll follow you home and there's just this uh pretty high tension everywhere uh, and then you also follow Zoe, who's the daughter of the sheriff, the local uh, police chief. Uh, and then Val, who's a very uh, Regina George kind of character. <laughs> uh, Every murder island and, needs a Regina George. <laughs> <laughs> naturally, yeah. Uh, and so these girls kind of um, come together in an interesting way uh, as the events of this progress. I do think that the atmosphere of this 
definitely would lend itself better to a longer form like TV show as opposed to a singular movie just to increase that tension. Uh, and then it just, it gets very creepy and uh, just so good. It's also very LGBT uh, Q plus friendly. We've got some girls loving girls and other uh, sexual identities here, which is always a great thing to have included and just really uh, endearing characters and it's just it's really creepy I actually listened to this one on audiobook and it was so creepy <laughs> I had to only listen to it in the daylight for sure uh, but I think this would be a really fun TV show especially since you know everybody's really into Stranger Things and I guess Riverdale although I've never seen that and I have a feeling it's very different from this <laughs> Yes, and thank you for saying LGBT+. I forgot to say that earlier, so thank you. This is giving me, like, Miss Peregrine's vibes. Is it anything like that? Um, I think the vibe is similar. Definitely no, like, superpower situation okay. here, but um, but it's definitely a kind of a similar creepy vibe, I would say. And also, I think, like, also the isolation bit, since they're on an island. Yeah, I wish the Miss Peregrine's movie would have been a whole TV series. I thought it was very interesting. I would have liked more. I guess there's more books. They only did the one for the movie, but I think they could have fleshed it out more. Yeah, I know that's a full series. I never read that one, but yeah, I also have a feeling that probably would have been better suited for a show over a movie. Hmm. Well, maybe they'll write it. The first time, uh, <laughs> maybe they'll R-I-G-H-T it. Um <laughs> They, uh, it's like they've already written it. You know, the first time they made an adaptation of Series of Unfortunate Events, it was just a movie and they tried to cram three books in and it was like um, a disaster. And then they oh, went it was back. Terrible. Oh, so bad. And then they made the whole series and the series was beautiful. Um, so, you know, sometimes it takes a while to get it right. I worry when they make something. That's why, like, I would love if they did Phantom Tollbooth and they did it right. But it would make me so nervous if I saw a trailer for it, because I'd be like, don't ruin it! Uh, <laughs> so sometimes screen adaptations are very poor. Yes, definitely. Uh, my last one is one that you gave me as a book, and it's called The Language of Flowers. Ah, yes. Her name's Vanessa Diffenbach, Diffenbaugh. It's written in 2011. This is such a book that has, like, cinematography built into it because there's flowers everywhere. <laughs> like, the production design would be so pretty. But she's a foster kid. I think she's, like, a teenage. She's, like, 17 when it starts. She's been in the foster care all her life, and she's got a lot of problems going on. And I think she runs away at the beginning and is, like, homeless, and then she finds a job in the flower shop and gets to live upstairs. And she learns about language of flowers, which is, like, in... I don't know, like Romeo and Juliet times, you'd like give someone a rose and it meant a certain something. Like each flower means devotion or loyalty. So like when you give someone um, a different flower, it has like a meaning. And there's some flowers that have like bad meanings. So you want to like know before you give it to someone. So I thought that was a really interesting concept I hadn't heard of before. And then she starts like making 
bouquets for people's weddings and make sure she tells them like only use these positive you know everlasting love like you don't want to have a flower that just means like lust so she gets really like popular with that and then it goes what i love about this is um i'm really into like generational trauma or like family history like i think cross generations are really important to look at and see history repeating itself and then also history resolving itself like I love when a few generations later something gets resolved from you know it's kind of like that uh, Holes which was a book and a movie where you're kind of doing simultaneous stories so this wasn't as much of a simultaneous story but they did definitely incorporate flashbacks that inform today and there's some resolution movie and again the production design of like the flowers I can see it on screen it would be so lovely you're totally right i love that book but i can also see just flowers and them just playing it up so much that would be it would be so good it would be like midsomar without all the murder perfect <laughs> flower crowns <laughs> abounding love that cool so these were some books that we love and we hope that you read and we hope that people write scripts for and adapt to screen so we can enjoy it further thank you so much for your time and expertise on dem books dem books dem books dem books we love them (laughs) we love them we love them (laughs) i was so happy to be able to uh be on the podcast and share both my love of books and of uh good quality adaptations so uh yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, and uh, I forgot when I was introducing you, but thank you for being my first guest on Cinema Buns, as well as you were my first guest on my last podcast, Podcat, and uh, just I thought it was getting off on the right foot to have you back again, starting it off. Well, it was an honor. Thank you for letting me be your first guest twice. Yes. And if you guys liked Aaliyah today, there will be more of her. She, if wasn't too traumatized today, will be back again to talk about books. We have a lot more that we want to talk about, like with books that were adapted to movies that should have not been or books that were adapted to movies where the movie was better because that's very rare. And remember to follow Aaliyah Uncharted on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And if you enjoyed what we talked about today... It'll be in the description so you can look at the name of the book and the author and find it for yourself. Awesome. Uh, Don't forget, next Monday is Bunday, and I love you all. (laughs) Cool, cool.